Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to uh, Blog Talk Radio, Snake Oil Radio. I'm your host, Jim Ventura. I hope everybody is having a good day. I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm laughing here as I'm getting ready to host my show. Just cosmic timing, the um, landscaper shows up, so I've got loud, uh, obnoxious noises in the background, which is uh, quite amusing. Uh, so anyway, if you, you catch some of that, uh, there's not too much of a way around that at this point. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's probably going to bother me more than it's going to bother anyone listening to me. Anyway, let me tell you a little bit about uh, Snake Oil Radio, in case this is your first time uh, tuning in. Uh, I am, again, host Jim Ventura. I started a a blog column called Snake Oil back in late 2003, early 2004, and I've got quite a number of people who get my monthly column. Um, I am a professional soothsayer, which means... uh, I am uh, very uh, well studied in uh, oracles, uh, oracles being tarot and numerology and astrology and runestones and animal cards and angel cards and, and all kinds of good stuff like that. Uh, I've studied for quite some time, so I have developed quite a bit of expertise, and I have a private practice where I work with people and help kind of guide them uh, through spiritual counseling, life coaching, through using these tools, uh, it's kind of, uh, I sort of say it's uh, alternative psychology times 100 because uh, really uh, it can be tremendously valuable to work with oracles and begin to understand them, especially in how they relate and apply to an individual. That said, uh, back to uh, what Blog Talk uh, Radio, Snake Oil Radio, and my blog is about, uh, I started writing the column, uh, and I'm actually, uh, I do have a, a book published that was published last year called Dirty Little Secrets. And I will be publishing my second book, uh, Snake Oil, Volume 1, in early 2009, which is a collection of my original columns, including some uh, snake charms as well. And the idea with uh, snake oil is that, uh, you know, often the snake oil salesman is seen as someone who is a uh, manipulator or a scam artist or a con artist. And uh, rather than um, fighting against the fact that there would be people that had that perception of me, I decided to embrace it. Um, and by no means am I that, but um, uh, one of the things that I found is that uh, just because people believe something is incorrect, usually in the case with astrology, tarot, uh, various other uh, oracle, oracle tools, they were either told by religion or they were told by, um, uh, or they never just. Uh, explored it at all themselves, or uh, they uh, just have no uh, belief in it whatsoever, so they discount it. Anyone who's any, any done any research or study into astrology and numerology and tarot and some of these various tools, especially by uh, with someone who's an expert, is usually pretty blown away at the amazing level of accuracy and, and uh, value that you can find in it. So uh, I started writing... Uh, Snake oil uh, again some years ago, and I am a little bit of a uh, ham in the sense that I do like to talk about all kinds of subjects and areas that would normally uh, be sometimes a little bit off limits to people in that respect. Um, it's been fun writing the column because people really seem to enjoy the topics that I bring up, um, and then occasionally I piss people off or they're not particularly thrilled with um, the subject matter at times that I, I've happened to decide to discuss. That happened to be the case in my most recent um, column, which is actually a reprint from late 2004 
called he, she, what the hell are you? Uh, I did get a couple of people that seemed to um, find some offensiveness in this or discomfort with it, uh, which I do not take personally. People have all kinds of reasons behind why they uh, react the way that they do. Uh, anyway, so uh, what I've been doing is, Snake Oil Radio, is I'm reading my current column, and then uh, we're going to elaborate on that and talk a little bit more about it. Um, I am open to callers, uh, either through uh, the regular phone lines, calling in if you're catching the show live. Again, it's going to have to be if you're catching it live, otherwise you might be listening to it in an archive. And um, that's also a chat room connected with the site, so if you are online while I'm live, you could uh, ask questions in the chat room. Uh, or call directly, and I will give you that number shortly. So for now, let's kind of dive right into this month's uh, column. Uh, again, the title is He, She, What the Hell Are You? I recently had an opportunity to talk to a transgendered individual. Jean was one of the two people who were representatives of a charity organization at an event I was attending. They were collecting small donations for the charity at a resort. I was visiting on a painfully hot Arizona summer day. I had encountered transgendered individuals before, some out and about in the world, and a few as characters in movies and television. Up until this point, I had never really spoken to one, though. Jean greeted me warmly as I entered the pool area of the resort. She was probably 60 pounds overweight, and had really bad yellow teeth. It was difficult to distinguish whether she was male or female. I found myself carefully scrutinizing details of his body to figure out if he was a male in the process of becoming a female, or a female becoming a male. Jean was not someone I would find physically attractive. I wondered whether she got uncomfortable when people called her she, or did she get uncomfortable when people referred to her as he. I wondered if it bothered him at all. It all seemed confusing. I thought to myself, why not just accept the way that you are? Whether a person is gay, straight, tall or short, heavy or thin, why not accept the way God made you? Why all the hoopla around changing genders? Why put yourself through all that pain? The resort was getting busier, and the party that day revolved around a large swimming pool. Guests and visitors mostly gay men, were sitting in lounge chairs while a DJ spun tunes. Hard-bodied men frolicked in the pool. There were lots of pretty boys and a few beautiful women starting their stuff. I like looking at pretty things, and I enjoy the eye candy. That day, I was doing promotional work for my business. I had agreed to do many readings at the resort. I talked to many people that day, including a physically stunning and extremely sweet ex-playgirl model. He was not the arrogant bitch I would have assumed he would be. I could see Jean smiling at me while I walked around the resort. I decided I would see what makes a transgendered individual tick. Maybe I would get an answer to some of my questions about our gender confusion. He was excited to talk to me about the work I do. She was especially impressed by my work with animal familiars. She was a practicing pagan. I never got to ask her about her transgendered issues because most of the time we talked about metaphysics. It fascinated me to realize that some transgendered individuals could be pagans. Yet it made sense. Why would they follow any traditional religions that had no place for them? Jude cultures, 
pagan cultures and followers of Wiccan religions embraced this aspect of human nature, even though it was uncommon. Jean was pleasant, funny, genuine, and warm. I find myself happy that I followed my impulse to go to and talk to her. He was a gentle, genuine, charming individual. When I was a teenager, I remember going to carnivals and laughing with my little sister as we enjoyed people watching, even more than the rides. We once saw someone operating the roller coaster we were riding on who was hard to distinguish. We were not sure whether the person operating the equipment was a man or a woman. This individual wore frumpy clothes, had thick Coke bottle lenses, and was very overweight. We sarcastically joked with each other about where her breast ended and her stomach started. This memory made me think of another time when I experienced discomfort one night when I was at a gay bar years before. A tall drag queen wearing a beaded gown and having incredibly long fingernails pulled me onto the dance floor. I squirmed and ran after dancing one diplomatic song with this woman. Afterwards, my friends joked with me about whether I found the next love of my life. I've never been directly cruel to anyone who was different in my lifetime, and I didn't do it in that situation either. Yet my sarcastic, cutting verbal wit has often been used to make friends and family laugh hysterically when the targets were long out of sight. This was how I handled the drag queen. That day at the resort, there were lots of pretty boys with tight abs, perfect bodies, and A-list status all around me. I even overheard one young man making a snide comment to his friend about the he-she at the door. This made me feel shame at the dumb, obnoxious comments I had made when I was younger. I think it is part of human nature to be fearful and derisive when encountering things we don't understand or have never encountered before. Most of the crowd seemed to be overly concerned about their looks. Very few of them were interested in understanding their spiritual sides. Many of them may have been uncomfortable around me because of my abilities as an oracle reader. I guess that, like most gay men and women, when you were taught to spend most of your life hiding who you are from society, it isn't easy to be willing to have someone like me crack you wide open. I understood the reticence of most of the patrons that had a session with me that day. Still, the most pleasant memory I had of that day was talking to Jean. It wasn't the playgirl model or any of the pretty boys, but it was a transgendered person who was most interesting. I never found out the answer to my questions about why or if she wanted to change genders or what to call him or her. I simply had an opportunity to clear and recognize a part of me that had been closed-minded, narrow, and fearful. I was able to release this. Thank God we have the opportunity and gift of diversity in our world. Jean was no less a perfect child of God than anyone else is. He, she, does it really matter? Who gives a damn about fumbling with pronouns anyway? Okay, so that is that was my column. Again, this was originally run uh, back in 2004 when I had a much smaller readership, and um, this will be one of the pieces that ends up in my uh, first book, uh, Snake Oil Volume 1, as well. Uh, anyway, so the uh, issue, the topic, the subject is diversity, uniqueness. Uh, certainly that is really something that is strongly shown in, uh, in and when dealing with transgender individuals because 
they are definitely not the norm. Um, you know, I think if you're you're gay, lesbian, bisexual, you're already kind of um, not in the most common uh, denominator to begin with. Um, and then uh, a transgender individual, which, by the way, may or may not be uh, uh, gay or lesbian. That's often a, a very big miss perception that people have about gay and lesbian, uh, about transgendered individuals, that they are, they are all gay. That is not the case uh, at, at all. There, there's, a, there's certainly variation to that. But um, anyway, there is uh, definitely something to this being an interesting uh, uh, area to kind of talk about, so I want to elaborate on it a bit. I'm actually going to throw out the call-in number as well, which is... Uh, uh, if anybody's uh, listening live and they want to call in and uh, have some questions or comments they'd like to make, that number is 646-200-3966. Again, the call-in number is 646-200-3966 if anybody wants to call in um, and uh, talk about this particular subject, uh, you're welcome to to join me here. Uh, anyway, uh, I've got someone in my chat room, so I'm going to try to answer this all at the same time, stay on the air, and, and continue to talk to everybody uh, as well. Uh, anyway, um, so uh, I have not really, actually, this is an interesting story to write because I got a number of responses that had come through with uh, even a couple of clients about this subject that certainly sparked some interest. I think one of the most interesting uh, 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 responses I got about this particular uh, uh, area was from a client I'm going to call Patty. Uh, anytime I talk about uh, clients in general, um, I always Obviously, I'm not going to use a real name or, or ever kind of share that with someone in that context. Obviously, it's kind of a private thing. Uh, although I find that a lot of most of my clients would probably not mind that much the level of quote-unquote fame, so to speak. Uh, anyway, but one of my clients, Patty, uh, emailed me and said that it was really kind of interesting cosmic timing because her father, who is in his, uh, I think, mid to late 50s, had... Um, contacted her uh, recently about talking to her about something big that was going on in, in his life as well as her brother, I think another family member, and it turned out the bomb that was dropped was that uh, her father was going through the process of changing genders into becoming a female. Now, uh, fortunately, uh, fortunately for her father, uh, both of, uh, I think all of his kids were fairly open-minded and did not react too uh, uncomfortably with this information, which I would imagine might, might be some, some, uh, difficult for people to deal with in that sense. In fact, I just recently saw an Oprah Winfrey show where there was a transgendered uh, man who had become a woman and he had two children. One was 21 and one was 13 and had gone from being their father to their mother. And the children were very traumatized by that. And I've actually, this wasn't Oprah, now I think about it, it was a Dr. Phil and um, it was interesting to, to watch the show uh, and look at this subject and, and see the repercussions of this type of effect this could have on a, a family situation. Uh, again, getting back to the client of mine who emailed me, uh, her uh, basic uh, 
story was that her father kind of dropped this bomb. And what's funny is, you know, her father is not gay. He is a heterosexual man who uh, feels uh, like he was meant to be a female. Uh, I think even uh, she even mentioned that he was kind of like a, a gun guy and, and uh, maybe even an ex-military guy, and uh, which is, is kind of interesting to me in that sense, definitely a, a very, very unique in that respect. Um, and anyway, uh, fortunately uh, for for him as well as for her, because she is a you know an evolved, open-minded person, she's able to embrace her father and and put him at ease about this area. Uh, and I think that that would be a real challenge for a lot of people. Um, I, certainly, uh, it's got to be one of the most extreme experiences for someone to go through a, a gender change, especially when you've known that person that way. I have had some very mixed thoughts about this because I think that at some level, um, you know, the way we were made, I think, to some extent needs to be embraced. Um, if you're born a male or a female, to me, uh, I've always kind of thought maybe a little bit conservatively that way, that that's the element that you would embrace. But the truth of it is, as I have I've talked to different people and have looked at different elements, um, I really find that I, I think unless you're going through uh, what a transgender individual is going through, you can't really understand uh, that experience. I would certainly imagine that feeling like you were born the wrong sex and having to fake it through a lifetime would be tremendously painful. Um, where I can identify with this is um, as a as a gay man, I was very, very aware of my uh, attraction to males even at a young age. And having been raised Catholic, I tried to repress that um, for quite some time. So uh, the reality of it is, and, and, and the simple truth is, I mean, you kind of are what you are. And I've obviously come to terms with that in a way that I'm, I'm quite comfortable with now. In fact, now I can see that, um, you know, in many ways, thank God I was born this way. Um, I, I'm having a good life, and I, I enjoy this uh, experience. And I think from really from a karmic perspective, you won't even get to, into this from a metaphysical angle, you know, probably one out of ten of your lifetimes in the Spanish or reincarnational history is going to be as a gay or lesbian, and even from time to time as a somewhat transgendered individual. So um, even within, what's funny is even within the gay community, uh, sometimes there can be discomfort with transgendered individuals as well. Uh, there can certainly be um, some, there can certainly be some level of confusion about this. Obviously, uh, this idea of not embracing your um, the, the characteristic of uh, the way you were made in the first place in that sense. But I also would guess that you would find a certain amount of tolerance that would show up in uh, the gay-lesbian community, maybe more so than some of the heterosexual community, simply because, again, there is that uh, commonality of being different from what society tells you you're supposed to be in that respect. So... Uh, Again, certainly that is a, a definite benefit, I think, for the transgender individuals who are dealing with this uh, type of thing. Uh, so, yeah, uh, hold on, my chat room person is asking a question. Anyway, okay, let me just give her a little 
I'm talking to my chat room person here at the same time. And now my cat is trying to get attention as well, too. Uh, boy, definitely an interesting day. I'm going to have to check out the astrology to see why there's a <laughs> why I'm getting a lot of uh, interruptions. Uh, in fact, let me give that call number to uh, to my chat room person. Okay. Anyway, so you got to laugh at the interruptions. They're they're there for a reason in that sense. I think uh, I read that Mars was uh, in a square to Pluto for the next couple of days, which would probably explain it. But since that's not the subject of the show, I'm not going to divert my attention that far away from it. So uh, anyway, okay, back to the, the subject at hand. So yeah, I, you know, I have had the ability to again when I when I talked to Jean that day, um, it really was very interesting because she was uh, really uh, definitely a uh, an interesting person to talk to. Really, a very genuine individual in that respect. And again, while I had pointed out that it really isn't something that I'm necessarily attracted to. Um, I am certainly uh, very, very open to really talking to diverse perspectives and points of view. And uh, it really fascinated me. I guess I've always had the same dynamic. When I talk to someone from out of state or um, or even out of country of addition nationality, maybe it's a Sagittarius part of me, I always find uniqueness and diversity to be tremendously interesting. You know what I mean? As opposed to something that would necessarily make me uncomfortable. Uh, even though, again, looking back on my childhood, um, there had been a certain amount of that when it came to transgender individuals or people that were different in that context. So uh, let's see. We have a caller here. Hello, 317. You are on the air. Can you hear me? Nope, we lost our caller. Okay. Uh, all right. Maybe she'll, uh, maybe she'll try to come back in. Uh, anyway. Back to the subject at hand. Okay. Um, boy, my cat is just bombarding me at this point in the game um, with constant uh, need for attention. So I'm going to close the office door here. All right. Okay. Uh, anyway, yes, I have always had more of a, um, a real interest in diversity and uniqueness as opposed to uh, a discomfort in it in that sense. In fact, really early on when I, I started studying different religions and philosophies, it was always really considered an amazing thing to get hold of somebody who was uh, 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 just a, from a different faith or a different religion or a different philosophy or a different perspective. Uh, in fact, I, I even remember at one point even having a conversation uh, once in uh, New York City uh, with a couple of bums and finding that fascinating in that sense. Uh, because it was just such an interesting perspective to talk to someone from such a different way of life. Uh, I think that that is the beauty of life that we can learn uh, from other people when we're around a diversity and uniqueness in that sense. In fact, I think that really one of the, the things that makes people somewhat uncomfortable with not even uh, necessarily transgendered individuals, but even gay and lesbian people, is a lot of times they don't know any. Or, uh, you know, so they don't have that experience, so they're drawing from all kinds of things they were told or taught that a gay and lesbian person is. You know, one of the biggest uh, misconceptions, I think, of course, is that uh, gay and lesbian, gay men are pedophiles and various other things. Statistically, there's no higher rate of pedophilia among uh, gay men as are among heterosexual men, of course, so that's one of those ridiculous assumptions that is made. And again, it really becomes an issue of, of being uncomfortable around something that you don't know, something that's new to you in that respect. 
So often people attempt to form opinions or perspectives around something based on whatever knowledge they got. Often in this case that would come from um, sometimes from family or from uh, religious information in that sense. Uh, you know, and sometimes the religious information that people get is actually really, really positive. Um, I know that uh, I, I have been raised Catholic, and while I do not follow Catholicism uh, by any means at this point in the game, I, I do look at some of the elements of Catholicism as being very, very positive. And I think that one thing that Catholics have that was always kind of nice is, you know, if a kid kind of came out of the closet as a gay or lesbian, as a general rule, you don't hear too often about a Catholic throwing their kid out on the street because of that type of dynamic. Now, they might want to throw him into the priesthood <laughs> or something like that uh, as a resolution, but the uh, more uh, more likely they may not even necessarily be comfortable with it, but you often don't get that extreme of throwing someone out. You know, one of the things a lot of people don't know is uh, when you see a lot of these homeless kids on the street, um, good 30 to 35% of them are gay, lesbian, or transgendered. So a lot of them ran away from home for, uh, the, or they were thrown out, um, and this is really a shame. And I, always, I guess I find it fascinating that any religion would embrace the idea of not loving their, um, their child, no matter what they necessarily are in that sense. Um, it always strikes me as kind of the height of um, non-Christ-like behavior in that sense. Uh, so that's kind of a sticking point that I've always kind of felt when it comes to really, uh, really some of the more extreme uh, elements of some levels of uh, Christianity and other religions that are, uh, are uh, really uh, negative about this type of thing in the first place or teach that it is wrong and evil and all of those things. Uh, so... Um, Anyway, uh, here's my here's my caller in the chat room mentioning that uh, I think they were scared uh, to uh, to talk on on <laughs> talk talk live. Okay, I I can respect that. Uh, let me give her an email address to hit. So then we'll continue on here. I just have a notorious issue with uh, doing two things at once. That's why when I when I got set up to do the the radio st radio show and they said you can talk in the chat room and uh, and also talk to callers live, I thought oh my god that's going to actually be overwhelming, <laughs> but I, I think I'm handling it all right. Uh, I appreciate my the patience of my audience right now. Um, okay, so back to the subject at hand. Yeah, I have found it really really uh, amazing when. Uh, that extreme response comes to, to mistreating someone because they're unique or different in that respect. But again, it gets back to something that's really based in human nature um, to sometimes overreact in a negative way to something that is uh, something they don't know or are not used to in that context. Uh, in fact, even you know people that are extremely religion often follow a biblical passage passages about, I think there's a the famous passage in Leviticus about if a man lied down with a man, uh, uh, this is an atrocity or an abomination or blah, 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 that type of thing, uh, which funny is if you study um, biblical um, uh, verbiage in that respect, the word abomination was used to describe anything that didn't follow 
Jewish law. This is an Old Testament reference, of course. And uh, so eating pork was considered an abomination. Uh, you know, there's another, other things that are, that are sound almost ludicrous in that respect that, uh, uh, that involved a, a quote-unquote abomination. So it really was something that was seen, uh, that was, it was a misinterpretation of the words in that respect. And I would gather, looking back on this biblical passage in that respect, one, for multiple reasons, this, uh, the, the idea of, of homosexuality was considered a sin for probably dual reasons. One, because we had a time when the idea of propagating and reproducing was important. Um, people you know, lost children more readily during those times. So it probably was something that was built into the culture in that respect. And not unlike now, um, again, this was probably uh, written by someone who was either repressing homosexual characteristics or even more likely someone that just had no context for this and made that decision that it was quote-unquote um, evil or wrong. So um, when I hear really hardcore fundamentalists quoting this as a fact, I always say, you know, again, the Bible while full of some really uh, wise elements to it, is still subjective and has been translated repeatedly over time, including, um, you know, before the printing press was uh, developed, it was, a lot of it was even hand uh, put together. So, you know, anybody w with a brain in their head has got to take uh, a recognition that um, uh, there's going to be uh, changes and viewpoints that reflected whatever pope or individual that was in charge of those transcripts while they were retranslated. And to assume that it was, it was taken in the exact context even early on, again, is kind of on the silly side. And if you talk to biblical scholars, they'll often kind of reinforce that idea as well, too. More importantly, irregardless of what somebody believes from a religious perspective about the right or wrong of it, we get into something more important anyway, which is a human element. To be cruel to another human being because you disagree with their um, nationality, religion, race, perspective is really, to me, again, the height of unchrist-like behavior in that sense. Uh, Mind-boggling to me. Because, again, even when I, when I, when I talked about my story um, uh, from the original uh, blog, um, Really, when I actually talked to Jean, I really felt a sense of embarrassment about the way I had been a couple of times in the past when I was younger. Uh, again, never directly cruel, but sarcastic and a bit of a wise ass and about the whole subject matter and, and overly conservative about well, what person should be what they are. You know what? Really, one, the whole issue with a person should be what they are, you know what? That's absolutely none of my business. And, and, and unless you walk in someone else's shoes, to make that assumption that um, there is one correct way to do things uh, is really fairly arrogant and obnoxious in that sense. Um, in a day and age where it is physically possible to make that change, uh, you know, again, that's legit. That, that is obviously something they're able, they're able to do. Um, so it must be here for a reason. So, again, it isn't even about a right or wrong. It's about tolerance and kindness. On the plus side, I guess, you know, as an adult, I haven't been too obnoxious. I've become certainly a lot more tolerant. So at least I can kind of easily forgive myself for the mistakes that I had made uh, in the past around this subject because I was younger. I mean, I was a kid. So, yeah, you know, when I was a little kid on the roller coaster, 
and even in my you know late twenties, early thirties, when I was being uh, sarcastic about the um, the drag queen who wanted to dance with me. Um, yeah, I can look back on that now and see that again. Uh, we sometimes will use derisiveness um, as a way of dealing with discomfort when we don't know what we're necessarily dealing with. In that sense, we can act a little strange or a little odd around it. Again, really, really normal human behavior. I think what's really, really funny also is, you know, really I find that even when you deal with children, um, if a child runs across someone on the playground who is disabled or of a different nationality or, uh, I hate to even lump those in the same category, but it is, it's all about diversity. So different in some way, that child might actually make some kind of um, uh, obnoxious comment or say something politically incorrect because it's a child. And I think that that is something that is really, really um, important to distinguish that the person is not necessarily a uh, child is not necessarily a bad person in that respect, but she sim uh, he or she simply doesn't know. So it's coming out of a very, very genuine kind of a place of wanting to understand or have an awareness about um, an issue or subject. The reality of it is, is you know, a lot of prejudice in and of itself often comes from what the family teaches us in that respect. So that is a real, real simple, hardcore truth that exists in this world that when we are um, taught to believe a certain way, uh, we, will, we will tend to follow those beliefs without necessarily questioning them. And, you know, I was kind of lucky because my parents actually weren't that prejudiced at all. Like, I never heard, I mean, I grew up in a, a suburbia on um, Long Island in New York, and while I certainly didn't really run across too many drag queens during my childhood, I would run across people of different ethnicity, ethnicities, am I saying that correctly? Um, and I really, really found that um, I didn't get that kind of, I remember even once being a, a kid, and there was one of my neighbors when I was about 11's father, that was complaining about how there was a black family looking to move in. This is in the mid-70s, by the way, into the neighborhood, and they didn't want the property values to go down. And I remember hearing that even at the age of 11 and thinking that was one of the stupidest things that I've ever heard. Like something just didn't seem to make sense to me about that in that respect. Um, and again, fortunately, my parents did not have that type of disposition, although my mom, being pretty strict Catholic, often wasn't thrilled with people that weren't Catholic or, or Jewish in that sense. But again, she wasn't necessarily derisive. She just sort of had that kind of perspective that they were coming from the wrong place, so to speak. But again, it wasn't necessarily mean. Uh, so I have, to, uh, I have to be grateful that I didn't that, get that type of training as a child um, in that negative sense. And then by the same token, I also uh, I often tell clients, it was kind of interesting, when I was a kid, um, I sometimes had best friends who were male. I sometimes had best friends who were female. It seemed to have more to do with whether someone was entertaining to me and fun, whether they would be my best friend as opposed to what um, sexual uh, dynamic they were operating from. And I re remember being a 13 or 14 and having somebody tell me that it was inappropriate to have a female as a best friend because that was not what women were for. And again, I remember being really sort of scandalized by that idea because um, I think one of the things that's nice about being a gay man or a gay woman is 
in terms of human sexuality, everyone has male and female components, but if you're a gay or lesbian person, you sort of have both of those components contained within the psyche more comfortably, or, uh, which would be hard to believe. I think when we, I see some of the dysfunction out about in the world that it comes to gay and lesbians, but really any fairly evolved gay or lesbian person understands that you're not fighting against certain characteristics. You're seeing them as, as dualities within the self. Um, whereas a heterosexual man may have difficulty crying, often that's not the case with a gay man in that sense, and that's seen as a healthy level of expression. So, um, I'll, again, in, in, in heterosexual relationships, there's often a pull to the opposite polarity in that sense, to complete the self. You, you find a different type of dynamic going on among gay and lesbians. In fact, relationships for me are not necessarily about finding that opposite part as much as it's finding someone to be you know, your best friend and lover at the same time, your partner in the truest sense of the word. Um, up until now, I've only had minimal luck in that area, <laughs> all things considering, but I will suspect that that will be changing shortly. Uh, anyway, so back to the subject at hand. Uh, when it comes to, uh, even in the more extreme end with transgender individuals, there's all kinds of different things going on here. Again, sometimes that person is gay or lesbian, sometimes a heterosexual, I have another client that I'll call Steve who found out that his father, um, when he was much younger, was a cross-dresser and was very scandalized to find women's clothing. And in fact, I think he even told me once as a child he walked in on his father in women's clothing and was and kind of probably got the crap beaten out of him from the father after that for invading his privacy. What's interesting about this issue with Steve is he later on um, recognized the fact that he was bisexual in that sense. So I wondered often if his father is deceased now, but I wonder often whether um, he was treated cruelly by his father, which he really was for much of his life. Um, his mother helped to try to balance things out, but he did not have the best relationship with his dad by any means. Um, I've often wondered whether the father was also bisexual as well, and possibly even sensed that within his own son as well, and that also became abusive to his son. Um, interesting uh, theory. I'm not sure whether this is a fact or not. There's not a definitive way to know. But one of the things that is really often the case with people being uncomfortable with gay lesbian people as well as, again, on the more extreme end and the more rare end of someone who's transgendered is often people that are gay bashers or people who are um, end up uh, being abusive to transgendered individuals are often somehow repressing an element that's within their own psyche in that sense. This is really holds true in a lot of cases, actually. Um, and I think that really, if you study human sexuality, um, I think Kinsey really, if anyone's familiar with the Kinsey scale, the Kinsey scale, I think Kinsey really hit the nail on the head that true homosexuality and true heterosexuality are more uncommon, that most people fall somewhere in between in that respect um, in terms of either being bisexual or having a little bit of same-sex attraction or a lot of it or, you know what I mean, there's a scale from, from zero to six, um, the Kinsey scale that, that operates. And I, I always kind of, I think a six would be a complete sort of perfect homosexual and a zero would be a... Um, complete 100% heterosexual, I think that even I, if that's the case, it might be reversed. But if that's the case, I always kind of found myself being more like a five, being really primarily homosexual. But there have been a couple of times when I have had attraction to women at different points in my life, 
even if they were not necessarily sexual, there was a strong pull to that individual. Um, I think that's, again, a more common, a more common uh, experience for people in that sense that um, they may attempt to repress. And that's where you often get this more extreme attacking syndrome that could come into play. It's almost as if someone's attacking and wants you to hurt, maim, kill someone um, so they can kill the part of themselves that they're necessarily repressing. Because I've really often found that if someone is truly comfortable in the heterosexuality, they really should have no discomfort with um, a homosexual person at any level. I find it to be the same, the same joke that I make that um, I'm not uncomfortable with heterosexuals, even though sometimes I find them to be a little weird. <laughs> Actually, the majority of my friends are heterosexual, so uh, I'm being sarcastic here. Uh, Anyway, so in, in the case with the transgender individual, there are all types of different rules that are applying, though. So there really are no cut and dry stereotypical dynamics to draw from. And I think that, again, if you look at other cultures, often there is um, different perceptions around this. In fact, transgender individuals are people that were born with, with uh, two types of sexual organs and both sexual organs. In some cases, in certain cultures, we're seen as a shaman's or the wise people in that sense. Um, and I think that that is often really, really valid. Um, I have talked to a few different uh, transgendered individuals or just simply men who have been cross-dressers, and I can't lump them all into one category. Some are um, definitely um, uh, have a victim consciousness about them, probably from being victimized through a lot of their life. Um, and some really can be quite wise and funny and interesting. And in some cases, you know, some, some transgender people are uh, extremely attractive in that, you know, some of the males that have become female, whether physically or just in terms of dress, are often really experts at it. You know, really, I think someone that's really uh, intrigued by that dynamic obviously has a love of that other gender and often an appreciation for it in that respect as well. So, again, to me, what I've come to a conclusion about is, again, there's no right or wrong of it. This is just something that exists in a small percentage of the population. And I always use the same analogy. If you planted flowers and you had purposely planted a garden of yellow flowers and one or two orange flowers sprang up, only a psychopath would run out and rip out the flowers because they would be uncomfortable with those horrible orange flowers. More likely, you'd sort of see those orange flowers as beautiful and unique and um, really pretty magical that they came up, just sort of a variance that showed up along the way, and you would hopefully love those flowers and water them and fertilize them and treat them the way you would any other flower in that sense, if not even almost finding them to be even a little special in some respects. And I think the same is the case with transgendered individuals or um, people who are gay, lesbian, or different or unique in any way. I think that we'll evolve as a society when we begin to embrace uniqueness and diversity in a way that recognizes that everyone has something to teach us, everyone has something to share of value, and everyone is striving for the same thing. We're all striving for happiness, harmony, um, love, partnership, um, uh, fulfillment, all of those things. To assume that one person uh, deserves it or doesn't deserve it because of having a different type of identity is ludicrous to me in that sense. You know what I mean? It is really, truly against the, uh, the true element of the American way. So that said, looks like we're winding down. Uh, I want to uh, thank everybody for, um, I think want to thank my caller for trying to call in, <laughs> as well as coming into the chat room. I've still got to kind of work to get the hang of that. Uh, if you're interested in any of my books or 
if you're interested in any of my books or um, private sessions with me, I do do sessions here in person, um, and you can get information about that on this web link or go to my website, which is web.mac.com slash VenturaWords. Uh, I can be reached at uh, VenturaSag at yahoo.com as well. Um, you can find that information on the website anyway if you're here. Uh, and uh, I do do private sessions by phone, uh, and I record them and send tapes out afterwards. And I also do those in person. And if you're interested, again, in any copies of my books or anything like that, you could go to the website as well and check that out accordingly. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. Uh, next uh, month I'm going to be doing two actual broadcasts. We're going to do my normal broadcast. Um, on a subject that I think is going to be certainly interesting to a lot of people. And um, then I'll also do another broadcast at the end of the month. I'm going to start every other month doing an interview, actually 45-minute show with an interview feature. And I'm actually going to be interviewing a Turo reader who also um, reads tea leaves, which I think is really interesting. So feel free to check that out. Uh, contact me in either direction if you want to make comments or have an interest. And again, thanks for tuning into Snake Oil Radio. Jim Ventura, signing out.